0: Welcome to a new episode of Sauce of the Scary. Derek Zoo Jeff Wright, way down in the bunker this week. Jeff,
1: what's going on, man? How are you? I don't know, man. I mean, uh, it's a hard question to answer. I'm thankful that right now my family appears to be healthy and that our life hasn't been too terribly disrupted, uh, but I know a bunch of people who, who, uh, who can't say that and then... Of course, the news is filled with people getting sick and reports are more coming. So it's hard to say like, oh, I'm I'm good, fam. Uh, I'm hanging in. I guess I'll go with I'm hanging in. There you go. How about you, buddy?
0: Ah, uh, You know, man, uh, it's been a rough week, but um, mm. just keep on keeping on.
1: You know, I really I mean, we talked about that a little bit off air. Uh, I feel like that's all you really can do. This is one of those times where we just don't have a lot of agency and the most proactive stuff you can do is like wash your hands, stay away from people. So uh, I do think one foot in front of the other is about all we can do in yep. in this moment. So.
0: Yep. And just, uh, just try to do what, what we're being told to do and self quarantine. And maybe we can, you know, maybe we can get back to some kind of sense of normalcy in a month or six weeks, you know, somewhere through there. But, uh, for right now, you know, we're all. Uh, it's it's weird for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know it, it it doesn't affect it doesn't affect everybody in the same way, but it's it's a new normal and um, just something we're gonna have to deal with for the
1: time being. Indeed, man. I I guess for movie lovers, um, the the opportunity we have is to just plow through a bunch of movies. Uh, it's not. That's not a good thing. I think we'd all like to be out making money and, you know, doing doing stuff to accomplish our goals. But uh, I'm also thankful that streaming is still up. Yeah,
0: for sure, man. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if Wi-Fi goes down in the United States, then we'll just see a full-on riot.
1: <laughs> There'll be no more self-quarantine at that point. People yeah. won't put up with it. No, they'll just be riding in the streets and um,
0: <laughs> mass hysteria. Even more so, people be flinging toilet paper at each other. That'll be nuts.
1: <laughs> Whatever, man. That's stuff's too precious. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm in the uh, disaster area for that dude who was in the New York Times, you know, uh-huh. uh, riding around hoarding stuff. And so uh, we're still fighting the toilet paper wars out here. Yeah. I don't know How, how's Missouri on the toilet paper front. Uh, it's the same way. Oh,
0: is it? Yeah. Yeah, dude, I went to Walgreens yesterday just cuz it's the closest like "quote unquote" store, you know, to uh my apartment and uh just just to see. Sure. I uh, I I went and looked and it was a ghost town in the toilet paper aisle and I just started laughing. Yeah. And I probably I probably looked like a maniacal madman laughing in the middle of a <laughs> in the middle of a Walgreens looking at this empty toilet paper aisle, but I just thought it was hysterical that that they had even gotten the toilet paper from Walgreens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, We, we were, uh, we were in new Orleans when society fell apart and uh, on the way home, we stopped in Hickson, Tennessee. I know you're familiar with Hickson. Mm -hmm. The Aldi there had copious quantities of toilet paper. And that's the only, that's the only place that I've seen that had any, Mm. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure by, by the time we're recording this, the, the toilet paper has left the building. But it was there for a sweet, sweet moment, like Monday.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if there is any still left, then the listeners in Hickson are gonna go take care of it real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think the ultimate flex is gonna be uh, at Halloween this year when I when I dress up as a mummy. <laughs> I
1: wonder if Ace bandages can can substitute. <laughs> uh, for, for toilet paper else wise, you know, we, we have a thousand kids and, uh, we did cloth diapers. Yeah. And a bunch of those we still have around and we've been making all the cloth diaper jokes. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of humor in the world. And so we're stretching pretty hard and we've landed on cloth diaper jokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all right.
1: Yeah. I made a
0: joke last week.
1: Um,
0: I said, what if the coronavirus is God's way of punishing us for TikTok? And uh, I got some pushback on that, man. I thought that would mm. be I thought people would laugh at that. But uh, a few people, a few people came at me for assaulting their precious TikTok.
1: (laughs) Dude, I would rather live the rest of the year without toilet paper than be the kind of person who has a personal stake in TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) uh I
0: tell you man when you're when you're quarantined you know and and social media is kind of your really your only outlet to the rest of the world, you find that people just want to argue about everything uh, yep I just I
1: don't understand it, but so again, something we talked about a few minutes ago, but just to bring our listeners in since we hadn't hit record yet, um Christy and I were celebrating our anniversary in New Orleans when society fell apart and um you know we we played it smart but that's an area that was pretty heavily hit with cases we were there just after Mardi Gras and one of the earliest cases that uh, was documented at least as far as i've been able to tell was someone who got it while they were at Mardi Gras so you know we're kind of sitting around waiting for symptoms to show up if they're going to we have a a timer that will tell us if we got it while well, we were in New Orleans, and um, I told you off air that I don't want to spend two weeks wondering if I'm sick, uh, being miserable, you know, arguing with people on Twitter, and uh, contemplating life on a respirator. I mean, if that's in my future, it's in my future. I can't change that, but I can read a good book and enjoy time with my wife, and you know, um, try not to live miserably. And so, I, I think, yeah social media hiatus is a pretty good plan for the Corona quarantine.
0: Yeah, it is. I've, uh, I've had to limit my time on it because it, it is infuriating.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's infuriating and terrifying. Yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, sure. real life kind of works like news media. You're going to get retweeted or have your stuff shared. If you're able to break terrifying news or, you know, take some angle that, is super, uh, depressing. That's what people glom onto. And so it's not like my Twitter feed is filling me with rays of hope nowadays, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Anyway, let's, uh, let's get off all this depressing stuff. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a crazy movie.
1: Yeah. So listener, just to catch you up, Hollywood shut down. So there are no trailers. Uh, I don't mean to be lighthearted about what we're facing, but the lack of movie trailers is maybe the best thing Hollywood's given me in years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we decided that the horror reporter is just watching the news. And so you can do that without us. Uh, anything I'm missing on that one, Mr. Zoo? Uh, you know,
0: uh, Universal has um, put out some of their movies that were in theaters. You can rent them for nineteen ninety nine. Um, such as the hunt and the invisible man and uh, a couple others. But those were the two that struck me as something that maybe our listeners would want to watch. Uh, they came out today. And I think if you rent them, you have a 30 day period to watch them and they're good for 48 hours. So if you're looking for, you know, content that you wish that you had been able to see in the theaters, and you get a chance to. Um, Jeff and I would both highly recommend you watching The Invisible Man. I yeah. did not. I did not get to see the Hunt, um, but I also don't think I'm going to pay twenty
1: dollars to rent it either. <laughs> yeah, man, we're on the same wavelength. Like, I almost think I. If that were fifteen, I'd be more inclined. If it were twelve, yeah. I'd be pretty inclined. But yeah. twenty bucks is still too much of a premium for me. Yeah. I'm happy to pay a little over theater price, right? But not twenty bucks. Yeah,
0: and uh, you know, I know that. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I know that people will probably be like, "Well, you're going to spend that much in a the movie theater," and 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 that's true. Um, I would I would pay twenty dollars for a quiet place too. Yeah, I would do that if, too if, if they do. wanted to release that. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it for the hunt. But I think that there were a couple other things. Um, that Universal released early that you can check out as well. Um, I also know that Disney uh, put out a thing saying that their new movie onward that just came out a couple weeks ago. um, It is also going to be, uh, uh, it is also going to be able to be watched digitally. And then I think they're putting it on Disney plus in two weeks. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, I read that too. I mean, good on them. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that part of the financial calculus is we're not going to make this back in the theater. So we might as well try to get some new subscribers. But either way, I'm 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 glad for new content. Uh, I don't want to spend my uh, my quarantine only watching movies, uh, but I do want to spend some of the time watching movies and shows. And it's nice to sure. have that stuff available. Yeah. For sure. The Saw Something Scary, excuse me, um, I'm having uh, mental issues even more pronounced than normal. The Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark documentary is apparently free to stream on Tubi now as well. Oh, cool. And I never got around to watching it, and so I'm planning to, I guess, download the Tubi app and give that thing a check out. Yeah, that's good to know. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about a crazy movie. I'm going to make a joke here, Derek, that I think like five people listening to this is going to get. Okay. Okay. This is the most horrifying episode of Homestead Rescue I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, sorry about that. That's Although,
1: okay. who doesn't need more Phil Collins in their life? For sure, man. I'm all about some Phil Collins. Listen to him. Uh, listen to him a couple times on the old road trip. I just got done taking Nice. Um well done there.
0: Yeah, so we're we're talking about the color out of space today. Uh I'm just gonna let Jeff take this one because everything I say is gonna be negative probably.
1: Really? Oh man. Well yeah. uh I will I will tell you that I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would. I I know that the creative people other than Cage aren't mm-hmm. the same. But I can't help but compare this to Mandy. Did, mm-hmm. did you see Mandy last year? I can't remember. Uh, I finally got around to watching it. Yeah. So for just a second, can we talk about Mandy? What do you think about Mandy?
0: Uh, man, I just I don't think I, I just I'm not a Nick Cage fan.
1: Yeah. that's fair. Um,
0: And I just I find it difficult to watch his movies. Um, now, with that being said, I loved spider-man into the spider-verse right yeah uh, and i thought he did it i thought he did a great job with that but um yeah he's just he's somebody that i i i have to have in spurts and this was uh, the wrong spurt yeah it really was well let's talk I was, about I, I was a lot more excited about watching this movie two weeks ago
1: <laughs> sure sure I <laughs> uh, i think that's entirely reasonable Um, so I think I have mentioned that Ford versus Ferrari gave my sons the racing bug. And so we're watching a ton of different motorsport stuff. Have Mm -hmm. we talked about that? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, Ford versus Ferrari involves Carol Shelby. And so eventually I was like, you know what movie they need to see? They need to see gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. And so I dusted that thing off. There's one, uh, there's one section of that movie they can't see, but it really doesn't, you know, change the narrative arc of the movie. So we fast forwarded through it. They love it. They're over the moons. And i thought like, I like Nick Cage and gone in 60 seconds. Where did that guy go? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's still kind of goofy in that film. Like right before they all go out on the big heist night, he does some weird like hand job thing to indicate mm-hmm. he's ready to go. So it's, it's cage, but, it's not what cages become, right? Uh, and this, of course, uh, ties into my trip. I, I'm sure a bunch of our listeners will know, but so we were in New Orleans, and i had been wanting to take my wife for years. I had been in, in a uh, on a conference several years ago, and I was like, "Man, my, as much as my wife and I love history and good food, this is a city we've got to get together in." So we we did that. We we went to New Orleans after a funeral. And, uh, you know, Nick Cage has a pretty big footprint in the city. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Madame LaLaurie is? Does that name no. ring a bell? It does not. So it, anybody who knows anything about New Orleans or like historic crime will probably, that'll probably ring a bell, even if they don't know where it comes from. Some people are like, oh, yeah, for sure. I know who she is. She was, uh, I want to say, an eight, uh, just at the turn of the uh, 17th century into the 18th century, or sorry, eighteen and the 19th. Um, she was a very wealthy New Orleans woman who was a slave owner and chained up a bunch of slaves in her attic and kind of tortured them. Mm. And so she's she's this historical sadist and just an awful person. And, and yeah, there's podcasts out there. Uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class did a good episode on her. Well, her her home is still standing in the French Quarter in New Orleans. And we went to see it while we were down there. And Nick Cage had bought it uh, <laughs> back in the day. And so the, the deal is the house has been considered cursed for forever. You know, this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. The slave stuff happened super long time ago. The house is considered cursed. It's supposed to be the most haunted house in New Orleans. All this stuff. Well, Nick Cage buys it. And that's about the time everything fell apart in his life. And huh. so one of the tour guides down there was like, yeah, we you know, this house is straight up cursed and exhibit a is Nicholas cage. He bought the house. He went broke. He was arrested for, uh, you know, public drunkenness. Like if you want to know what screwed up about the law House, just follow Nick, Nick cage's purchasing of it. And eventually the home was, uh, seized because of cage's tax woes. Mm-hmm. And apparently some wealthy family in Texas has it now and they keep it, Uh, closed off except for like two weeks out of the year when they personally visit and stay there. Wow. Uh, I mean, the other Nick cage factoid is I saw the tomb that he's going to be buried in, in new Orleans. Uh, (laughs) And would you, you want to guess what his tomb looks like? Oh man. Uh, The Ark of the covenant. Yeah. See, you're, you're right there on it. It's a big uh, pyramid and it's got some Latin phrase, everything from one. It basically looks like a prop from National Treasure. Yeah. And it's in St. Louis, number one down there. Um, so anyway, Nick Cage has been on my mind. We had scheduled to review this movie before the world fell apart and uh, and I was gone on my trip. We didn't really do it because of any connection to New Orleans. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to locate the Nick Cage that we've seen in recent days versus the Nick Cage I liked and gone in 60 Seconds. Basically, on his relationship to the Reed House.
0: You know what? That makes perfect sense, um, because there is a version of Nick Cage that I do enjoy, and it is that gone in sixty seconds, like Face Off, The Rock, mm-hmm. um, that Nicholas Cage that, um, as a child, as a teenager, and stuff, I, I really did enjoy. But from what man after National Treasure on has been a lot of like, what are you doing? Yeah, type moments, and for me, this movie is him at his like at his hammiest. And I, you know what? I'm going to backtrack. I'm not going to say that this movie is all negative, but uh, everything that I'm going to say about Nicholas Cage is is probably going to be negative. Uh, yeah. I just I just thought he was the worst part of this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a good cast here. They they got some real talent to work on this thing. Yeah, they did.
0: They did. Uh, it It surprised me the level of talent that they got for this one.
1: Me too. And I thought, I mean, I think everybody else kind of handles their business. Now, I don't know what the direction was like here. I don't know if they were telling Cage, hey, man, turn it up. Kind of the – was. what's the guy who made the terrible Batman movie where he's screaming? Schumacher. Uh, Schumacher screaming yeah. this cartoon. Yeah, it's a commercial. They may have turned it up to – Turned it up to thirteen. Well, you know who did. You know who directed this, right? Ah, uh, not off the top of my head. It's the guy that got fired from the island of Doctor Moreau. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't recognize his name at all. It's Stanley, is that right? I believe so. Yeah, Richard, yeah. Stanley.
0: Richard Stanley. Yeah.
1: Huh? No, I had no idea about that.
0: Yeah. So he he wrote the movie, uh, and then I think three days into. Production on it. He was fired.
1: Do we know what it was that got him kicked off? (laughs) I don't, but I'm looking, I'm trying to look it up right now. Huh? Well, he may have, he may have been telling Cage to crank it up. uh, But I get it. I get saying this is too much Nicolas Cage. I I raised the question though with, um, with Mandy, because Mandy was beloved among the kind of people that love horror movies the way we do. Mm-hmm. But Mandy was just not for me. It was too much in every sense. Too much craziness, too much color palette, too much Nick Cage, too much zombie biker cinobites. Um, I, I just couldn't get into Mandy the way a bunch of people that I know and, and respect their opinions, uh, you know, did. But I feel like color out of space. Excuse me. Color out of space is basically uh, my Mandy. Like I, I could get into this movie and enjoy it, even though it was super way over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think part of that is because the the Lovecraft stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the other reason I can't separate this movie from Mandy is that they both use the same color. <laughs> yeah, the color out of space is the color from Mandy, and uh, we now know where where space is. It's on the it's on the print of Mandy. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, it was crazy to me that like they were trying to, they were trying to figure out how to make this alien, you know, that's a color that you've never seen before, but yet they went with the same like color scheme that the Mandy movie had. Yeah. Straight up.
1: Uh, I guess they have their reasons. <laughs> This really does get back to a problem with Lovecraft that we've talked about. It's just hard to adapt his stuff. Right. Have, have you ever read the – I can't remember if it's a novel or a short story, but have you ever read the uh, Color Out of Space that – I haven't. Well, if, if anybody out there wants to look it up, it's the color. It's the O-U spelling, the color out of space. And the idea is that the color coming off of this rock – is something that can't be described because it's outside of the, the normal human visual range. You know, it's a color we've never seen before Mm -hmm. and that's consistent with Lovecraft. It's just that it's entirely impossible to bring that to a movie. Yeah. Um, Creatures that are so horrific that, you know, if you look on them, you go crazy. Well, you can't do that uh, with a movie because somebody had to make that thing and they didn't go crazy. And, that may not be possible. Um, <laughs> colors you have never seen before, unless you're one of those one of those shrimp that have all the extra color cones. We've seen them all at this point, and in fact, we have seen them on Nick Cage's IMDb page. Uh, right. <laughs> so there is yeah. a built-in degree of difficulty.
0: There, there is. I will say that I thought that the uh, <clears throat> excuse me the uh, the effects on this movie were really well done, especially for. Oh, what i would consider to be like a b movie yeah man uh, i was really impressed with um
1: well you know what you know what we didn't do oh we didn't call mark in Wahlberg. no it's okay man look so uh, social isolation is a good thing and social distancing is, is a good thing but like we're we're all pretty far apart now mark you're fine you can come in what no spoiler alert
0: you're in the bunker now, Mark. Everything's fine. So this is something scary, Cloverfield. Yeah, <laughs> just call me John Goodman. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that that um, with the, with the way that they they had to they had to combine the mother and the and the son, which is uh, the most horrendous part of this entire movie. Um, the way that they did that, I mean, it looked uh only in a horror movie can you say something like this and it makes sense but it looked really good <laughs> yeah for sure uh, uh, the the little um what were they praying mant- mantis mantises
1: i think manta i think we'll go with manta i second that sure uh
0: the praying mantai you know they look good and and the color scheme uh, again is is a very beautiful um color scheme even though it is borrowed from from mandy So, uh, it is a very visually stunning movie. Um, but I, I don't know. Have you read the, the Lovecraftian piece that this was based on?
1: So I was invited onto a friend's podcast to, to review this movie and the book. And Mm. I have started the book, uh, or, or, or short story. I don't know. I've got a collection right here in front of me right now, this huge brick book of Lovecraft Tales and it's in there. I don't know if it was originally published as like a novella or a short story or what, but anyway it's here in front of me on the page. So I've started it.
0: Okay. I, I just didn't know if you could if you could tell our listeners like how true to the to the story that this is. Now obviously they've modernized it, you know um with uh cell phones and and, uh, and things like that but i i just didn't know if like the meat of it was still the same
1: yeah the meat of it being a good uh a good i don't know what's that euphemism for the way these mm-hmm. things are combining yeah uh this is a pretty faithful updating of the story uh some elements are different i don't think there's a daughter in the story uh there's uh you know the the movie is kind of 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 these urbanites who have escaped to the the country following cancer diagnosis and treatment Uh, in the, in the book, it's just a farm family, a meteorite lands on the property. Um, Things start going crazy. Like they, they've done some pretty good touch points. Like, you know, when cage is out picking uh, tomatoes and he's like, look how big you are. And then he goes to eat them and they all taste terrible. Mm -hmm. Well, like that guy in the story, the guy's crops come in super early and super abundantly, but nobody can eat them because they taste awful. Mm -hmm. And so it's a difference of scale. But like they they kept the thread. Yeah, there was there's also the wife is changed and the youngest son is changed and they get locked in the attic, but they're locked in different uh, different attic spaces. And at no point is the non-existent daughter, at least as far as I've seen, uh, pitched in there for the, you know, the the amalgamation to attack. Yeah. But a lot of this other stuff is happening. Physical deformity, mutation, strange Mm -hmm. creatures. A lot of that's happening. Do you think that do you think that
0: Stanley put uh, the wife having cancer as sort of an homage to Lovecraft who died from I think it was intestinal cancer?
1: yeah I think that's entirely possible. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a great theory um The other thing I'll say is that, like the Natalie Portman movie from a few years ago, what the color does to people kind of looks like cancer. you know mm-hmm. it takes them and changes them, but they're still they're still them like the cancer is you when you get cancer. It's just something's gone terribly wrong, and like as mom and son are starting to be fused, they're still mom and son, just something has gone terribly wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a couple different layers that the cancer connection can work with, which is really depressing, by the way, since we needed more of that. Right.
0: Yeah, it was just a really great movie to watch. Um in light of everything that's going on in the world.
1: Yeah, I I mean, um I guess I'm the kind of person who likes to Grab the cactus on this front for some reason, because I came back and watched Outbreak and, uh, you know, the night I got home from New Orleans. I guess I wanted to see how bad it could possibly get. And so anything that's not bleeding from the eyes, I'm like, OK, things are not they're not as bad as they could be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I did appreciate, like you said, the, the visuals on this movie. Mm-hmm. I know I can't remember when we most recently did, but I know we have talked about with Lovecraft the best approach is to leave stuff to the imagination. And I really thought they were going to do that early on in this movie. You know, the kids stumble in to the barn and they see the alpacas and we get like, okay, there's no fur and they're all lumpy and they've got teeth that are sharp now, but they don't linger there and show us all of it. And I thought, okay, they're just not gonna, they're not going to put that stuff in front of us directly. And that's not a bad choice. But then later you see the amalgam alpaca,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and it worked better than I thought it would.
0: Yeah, I also I also uh, appreciated the dark humor that Cage brought with the alpaca stuff.
1: Yeah, when uh, I'm not sure which one you have in mind, but when he's milking the alpaca and he says, "I've noticed when you add a bit of fennel to their diet, it really imp- improves the quality," and he like takes a drink and offers it to the guy. Yeah, uh, I thought that was pretty funny too. Yeah, uh, it it got a little too long in the tooth, but it
0: <laughs> it just it was really it, I don't know. There's something about Nick Cage just being like
1: alpacas that yeah. The, another one where he's like, "Those are alpacas." Yeah, Do you know how much they cost their family or whatever. It it made yeah. me think of the Will Ferrell. Uh, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Dodge Stratus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. There is some good human here. Look at that. We're rehabilitating Nick Cage in our own minds, even as we go yes. along, buddy, you're becoming a horror uncle. See what these dark <laughs> times have done to you. <laughs> you and I have melded into some <laughs> kind of weird, All right. weird alpaca. Um... <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, spit, spit swear right now that we won't attack anybody as they amalgamated form. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the mom monster that eventually attacks Lavinia. Uh They showed more than I expected, mm-hmm. but what they showed really worked. I thought the creature design was really good. Yeah. In, in all honesty, it made me think of the thing from Carpenter, particularly the amalgamated alpaca. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the special effects guy was on this, but I thought it was shades of the thing. And that that's a high compliment in my book. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did you think of
0: uh Julie Richardson, uh, Madeline Arthur, um, Julian look- Hilliard? Oh, yeah. It was good to see. Uh, it was good to see him in something else.
1: For sure. That's what I'm, I mean. Like, there's real talent here and they all do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. It makes me wonder either Nick Cage is the problem because everybody else did very competently in their roles. I never really felt anybody was overacting. Lavinia was a little too angsty teenage girl, you know, but (laughs) yeah, that's a small criticism. Uh, And then, and then over here by himself is Nick Cage doing over the top stuff. Again, I don't know if that's Nick Cage or that's director, but if you look at group a, which is everybody else in the cast, I feel like this is well above the, as you said, well above the B movie standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now there was a lot of talent there too but they also didn't treat it like a joke. And I I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I agree that the, the
0: teenage daughter seemed like she, she was the only person that was matching Nicholas Cage's energy. Yeah. Um, When he would go zero to a hundred, she would do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of the, a lot of the times it was um, ridiculous in its nature. Sure. Uh, I, I, was disappointed that we didn't get to know, uh, Ward better, mm. um, and you know his name was a tribute to Lovecraft.
1: Oh no, I did not. Yeah, um,
0: I forget what his entire name is, but um, oh, his name's Ward Phillips, and Lovecraft. His full name was Howard Phillips Lovecraft.
1: Oh, gotcha. That's the PNHB yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So that was another, another little, little jab there. Um, Yeah. I wanted to see more from that guy. I thought he, you know, he had a, he had a calming demeanor in the chaos and the, and the tornado of craziness. He was a calming
1: factor. I felt like, yeah, you know, a couple things with him. One, there is a narrator who is like, he's not a hydrologist, but he is some kind of surveyor Mm -hmm. that in the story is sent to examine this area called the blasted Heath, which is what's left over of the farmer's farm and surrounding areas after the color out of space moves out of town, you know, Mm -hmm. and Ward kind of plays that role in the, in the film. Uh Um, I was wondering early on if Lavinia or Ward were sort of extraneous because I thought both of them were probably supposed to be in the movie. At least early on, I thought they're supposed to be here to be the audience connection point. Like we're supposed to see these events through these guys' eyes. Mm -hmm. And what they ended up doing with Lavinia makes sense to me that Ward was there to be like, Hey, look, this is crazy. We're all agreed. Right. Rather than, taking away a touch point character and leaving us just swimming with all the people who've become these monsters through the color. Hmm. So, um, here's an interesting piece of trivia. Uh,
0: Richard Stanley and Swedish filmmaker Heinrich Mollier, uh, apparently performed a ritual to the Lovecraftian God, Yogg, Sothoth, Yeah. yeah. Uh, while they were in the woods trying to get the film made.
1: Oh my! Okay. Well, any more power to them. <laughs>
0: so, uh, so that's why everything that's been going on in the world is going on is because they.
1: <laughs> Derek, that's made as, that. That's as credible a theory as I've heard, sir. I think you've stumbled onto yeah. something. This is. This is pretty much a Lovecraftian nightmare seen in that way. I know that we're supposed to be social distancing. And so only do this if you're, you know, living in some kind of group home with roommates. But if anybody out there can get a copy of Cthulhu Wars, the board game, <laughs> it's incredible. And, uh, yeah, the, the Pestilence Bringer is definitely something that would fit in the, the Lovecraftian, uh, opus. And so I think you're onto something, dude. Late breaking news, uh, to, <laughs> Two local podcast hosts
0: discover the the real origins of the coronavirus. <laughs>
1: We're living Eldritch horror, huh? Well, I mean, look, everybody on uh, our listening uh, profile knows, uh, at least if you've listened for very long, that I have traditional religious convictions. But I mean, if you're going to go out and make a Lovecraftian horror movie. And you don't have religious convictions, I can think of less cool things to do than do some kind of ritual to a, a Lovecraftian eldritch god. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to be spiritually profitable. I'm just saying <laughs> I've heard of crazier, worse times to uh, kill some time with, you know? Don't get me wrong. I ain't for it. Yeah, that's, a, that's well said. That's pretty much basically what I sound like. I'm again it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me put my overalls on real quick <laughs> uh. new listeners are like you're not wearing overalls already we've heard you talk we thought you were born in them <laughs> <laughs>
0: whatever next you're going to tell us you're
1: not chewing on a piece of uh, wheat oh, no, i'm totally doing that for sure yeah there we go <laughs> that, that's 24 7 baby it's like my cigar <laughs> uh Oh what else, man? I mean Cheech. I mean sorry, Cheech. Chong. Yeah, Chong Tommy Chong is in there. Uh it's good to see him again,
0: man. Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed Tommy Chong in this. And uh as they were walking to what's his name? Ezra? Mm-hmm. Is that right? As they're walking to Ezra's house and you hear Ch- Tommy Chong's voice, I went, Of course it's Tommy Chong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he makes so much sense to this movie. I think yeah. he's basically in this so that we get the visual of desiccated Tommy Chong becoming the color out of space. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad they made the choice. I mean, (laughs) that's not a criticism.
0: Yeah, no, he, he was perfect. You know, the more that we're talking about this, Jeff, the more I realize that this is kind of Nick Cage in his element.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, not to, not to be like, I got there earlier, but like, this is the crazy Nick Cage movie that I like. I yeah. feel like this is specifically the kind of late stage Nick Cage movie that I can enjoy. Yeah, Mandy was way off the reservation. I feel like this is like fifteen steps back towards sanity, and that's exactly where <laughs> I'm comfortable with Nick Cage.
0: Yeah. By the yeah. way, I, I I uh I don't feel like that it's fifteen steps towards sanity. I feel like it's actually the other way. But I feel like that for Nick Cage, it's sanity. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, well, my fifteen steps towards sanity is in comparison to Mandy, sure. Like you know, Mandy was just a bridge too far for me, and I feel like this one, this one's heading in the same general direction. It's just not as far gone for my palate. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I I started with a by the way a minute ago. I think real quick we need to patent late late stage Nick Cage for uh our, our eventual T shirt empire. Yes, completely agree with that. I'll make a note of that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tweet our gimmick attorney right now. I say patent. I don't think that's how patents work. I think maybe it's copyright or trademark or something. But yeah, some various form of government protection (laughs) of ideas. (laughs) I'm a a call. I'm a call uh, Ben Franklin
0: and uh, get him to patent that for us real quick. Good deal. Good deal. Thank you.
1: Yeah, man, I don't know anything other than just the, the question of whether or not this was scary. Uh, I never found myself like truly frightened Mm -hmm. except for when the mom creature bum rushes Lavinia and we see her face and I didn't know if it was going to bite her or not. Yeah. Um, But again, with Lovecraft movies being super hard to adapt and being a real niche kind of horror. I mean, this is like number two behind the mist as the best Lovecraftian horror thing I've ever seen. Sure. So I want to give it. I want to give it as much credit as I can. Yeah. Uh, anything else that was scary in the movie that I don't know that I'm overlooking? No. I mean, Nick Cage's accent when he <laughs> dives deeper into madness.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. No, there's there's really not anything in this movie that's that's overly frightening. I um, I mean, we'll get to the question in a minute, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go too far into it um, from there. But uh, I will say this, man, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this or not. But I was very upset that no one survived oh, from yeah. the family.
1: Yeah, it does kind of stink. I, I mean, I'm always the guy who's in for a happy ending, and this one definitely doesn't deliver it. But that's... See, that's the thing with Lovecraftian horror. It's never going to be okay in Lovecraft. Right. And even though my preferences for story go differently, I also really appreciate people being faithful to the source material. And I think it makes it more okay for me on this one. Yeah. You know, this This is what the original author did. So, the, the movie kind of faithfully reproduces that.
0: Yeah. I just... I guess I'm just always gonna be where I want the the white hat to triumph over the over the good or over evil.
1: Oh, um, I mean man, I'm I'm totally with you and I really thought Lavinia might be the one to do that. Yeah. But as soon as she started carving on herself, I was like, Nope, you're not coming out of yeah. this. Yeah. You know
0: Yeah. That was that was kind of the telltale sign for me too. As I thought maybe she was gonna kinda she, maybe that was the reason why they put her in the movie, right? She was going to play the hero. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when she started going to town on herself, um, with all those markings and stuff, I was like, well, you're dead.
1: Yep. No <laughs> final girl in this one. Yeah, yep. for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: out, man. I, I, I mean, I don't feel like this has been our best episode, but <laughs> I, I, there's not, there's not a ton of, uh, for me, there wasn't a ton of meat on the bone for this one. Um, just Nick Cage. If you if you like Nick Cage playing Nick Cage to an 11, then you're going to like this movie.
1: Yeah, I think also. And, and again, as a guy who's only dabbled in Lovecraft stuff, if you like Lovecrafting horror, I think you're probably going to like this one, too. If you think Lovecraft can be adapted for for visual medium. Yeah, um,
0: I, I'll agree with that. I, I I talked to a couple of uh, friends of mine who are Lovecraft fans and uh, both of them said that they've seen this movie and both of them
1: loved it. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten really great reviews. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the other, you know, we, I started this by asking you about scary stuff. The other issue with the late stage Nick cage is that he is starting to look like Ed Gein wearing a Nick cage mask. I don't know <laughs> if he's had work done and it's gone sideways, but we could be in for, for frightening days with his countenance, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if this is if this is the the kind of the kinds of characters that he feels comfortable playing, which seemingly this is where he's at now, this is his wheelhouse. Then, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We could be we could be in for some real nut job movies.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he has work done, but it seems like a an organic version of what Mickey Rourke did do himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh so it, yeah, I we could just have horror in the future with oh my gosh, that that thing is Nick Cage. He's you know, he's basically going to be like the wife and boy creature. <laughs> he's going to wind up being
0: uh Brumblefly. He's going to be Brumblefly uh
1: Brumble Cage. <laughs> Brumble Cage is great. Uh add that to the list for the patent yeah. lawyer.
0: Yeah. Texting our gimmick attorney right now.
1: I will stick uh, a picture that I took of Nick Cage's national treasure crypt. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Google and other image searches can give you countless versions of it, but I'll stick my own personal composition in, uh, in the notes for, uh, for this episode so that we can all get the creation of late stage Nick cage and yeah. Brundle cage. Perfect. I mean, really Uh, from disaster has risen beauty, (laughs) beauty from ashes. There we go, buddy. Uh, do
0: you, uh, I guess you do know this, but I'll, I'll tell everyone else. If you would like a different take on this movie from other people in our group, uh, I believe Mary Cash and uh, Tony Carr watched this and live updated everybody in the Facebook group on it. Sweet. So you can go to We Saw Something Scary in the Facebook group and read all of their comments, um, which are, are very funny. And I think a couple other people sneak in there, too. Uh, so there's a couple other cameos, but it's mostly just uh, just those two. And uh, I, I found it to be very entertaining.
1: So well, great. I, so I have been off social media because of the family death and all that stuff. I'm looking forward to getting back in there and catching back up with that.
0: Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll try to pin that to the top of the page. That Excellent. way that uh, everybody can see it and, and uh, they can take a look at it.
1: Excellent. Excellent.
0: Uh, all right, man. Well, let's let's get to it. The reason that we're here, Jeff Wright, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put um, – Nick Cage and all of his color. What's what's the name of this movie again? Color Out of Space. There it is. What would you what would you rank this movie as? Uh,
1: I'm gonna go six and a half. Okay. Good B movie. Better than I expected. Good cast. Good visuals. A little too heavy on the Nick Cage at times. Better than better than average. Okay, that's fair. And yourself, good sir. Uh, I'm probably
0: gonna go four and a half. Uh, there was just, I mean, the Nick cage stuff was just a lot for me. Uh, and it really did bring down the movie for me. Um, but again, like very visually stunning. Um, you know, everything that we've said positive about it, uh, a great cast, uh, you know, just really the only thing for me is, is I, I don't think that late stage Nick cage is my cup of tea. And so, it uh, it kind of ruins the thing for me. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, on on the flip side of this, I'm not going to tell people to not watch it.
1: Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I feel like we have gone glass half empty, glass half full on this. We're we're pretty close to uh, each other, just one slightly more negative and one slightly more positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, I guess it just depends on your stomach for Nick Cage nowadays. I think so. And if some like- people love
0: it. So. Yeah. If you're a big Brumble Cage fan, then you'll enjoy – I think you'll enjoy this movie a lot. Even if you're not uh, a big Brumble Cage fan, I think you'll still enjoy this movie. Just, again, for everything that we've said already. Um, but it really does your, – your tolerance of him is going to be what makes or breaks it for
1: you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you like alpacas –
1: I've heard the Fennel Edition is good if you're uh, if you're an alpaca grower. <laughs> Do you know that I regularly see in my daily commute an, a surprising number of alpacas? Here's a little Where? glimpse behind the curtain for uh, for our sauce on the scary listeners. So, <laughs> excuse me. There is a legend. A uh, it's not an urban myth. It's a. A country myth, I think, that llamas and alpacas do a good job of warding off uh, predatory canines, thinking about coyotes, from cattle herds. Mm -hmm. And so I see more llamas, but every now and then, because there's an exotic livestock uh, sale in our area, I'll see alpacas just by themselves roaming a field with a bunch of cattle uh, because somebody thinks they're going to be able to fight off a pack of coyotes. Um, I don't mean to demean anybody who subscribes to that theory, but I have seen also dead llamas and dead alpacas. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, maybe, maybe the math on it is just that uh, it's better to to give up an alpaca or a llama than it is to give up a, uh, a herd animal. But I don't know. It seems like the more exotic animal probably costs more. So yeah. anyway, I, without, you know, reserving further judgment, I nonetheless see these creatures more often than than maybe the the average person listening to this podcast does. Huh. <laughs> uh, th- th- I mean, this is totally just for me, but where at on your daily commute? Uh, you know, man, there's probably uh, it's all it's all old Kentucky. My entire sure. life has lived on old Kentucky. Um, <laughs> and there's a section near Northeastern Elementary. OK, uh, it just becomes more common. Now, some of the some of the things that used to be cattle farms are being broken up into subdivisions and things like that. So it's a dwindling supply. But around the northeast elementary side of old Kentucky. OK, so uh, around like Northfield, is that where you're saying? Oh, that's it. Yeah. Northfield, not northeast. OK, Northfield. OK, yeah.
0: I know what you're talking about then.
1: Yeah. Near, near the county line. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <sighs> Uh, I miss home, <laughs> yeah, well, if you can make it out of Mad Max, uh, <laughs> yeah we'd love to see you around here,
0: yeah, well, I've got some vacation time, so yeah. probably need to probably need to get there bring a bunch of masks and toilet paper, yes, sir, so cross some lines. We're waiting for the zoo convoy, yeah, um, <laughs> I need to, off air, I need to tell you about this t shirt idea I have that I oh. think I'm
1: gonna start selling on my website. there we go, uh. All right. Do we see something scary? Yes. Because the the mom monster. I know I'm the horror uncle, but yes.
0: Okay. Uh, I will disagree. Yeah. Stunning development. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seems like the more we, uh, the more we change, the more we stay the same. For sure. Oh, all right, man. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up on this week's edition of, uh, of the show and put a nice little bow on, um, all the colors and space, whatever the name of this movie is, it's Nick gauge. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening.
1: (laughs) I was going to offer the alternative title of purple rock by the whale. Doesn't sound (laughs) as cool. Uh, really all you need to do is just type in alpacas and you'll find it. But you were going to say nice things to our listeners, and I should not have interrupted. So please, sir, carry on with that good work. No, you're fine. Um,
0: Hey, we've already mentioned it several times already, but if you aren't a member of the Facebook group, we saw something scary now more than ever. It is the only reason to get on Facebook. So hop on over there. uh, Join the group. Not too long after, you'll be uh, you'll be welcomed. Thoroughly into the fold and then you can you can tell us what you liked or disliked about this review or what you liked and disliked about um, the color purple. And we'll uh, would love to have you in that group. Um, also, if you could spare us a five star review on your favorite podcasting platform, that way we can get the word out more uh, or excuse me, two more people uh, about the podcast. And then finally, we have uh, we do have a Patreon that you guys can subscribe to at patreon.com forward slash Podcast, And for as little as $3 a month, you get a bonus podcast each and every month. And we just appreciate you guys partnering with us on that. Uh, as a matter of fact, last month's review was on the movie Parasite, and you will only be able to get that review on Patreon. So if you want to know what Jeff and I thought about the 2019 best movie of the year. That's the way to do it. Uh, he's it right, Jeff. I'm in Derek zoo and we are out of time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully uh, the next time you hear from us, uh, the world will be a little more at ease and a little more normal. And uh, we hope that wherever you guys are, that you're safe and that you are uh, making the best of a crazy situation. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys real soon. Bye-bye, Ben.